0: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
2: Episode 41 of the continuing odyssey of weekly updates in which we attempt to lift the level of rugby debate, Josh, to levels of lyricism that Leonard Cohen would judge less harshly than other outlets.
3: I think we're pretty much there, aren't we? Yeah,
2: before we then ruin it by using too many swear words. Because it is very big and it is very clever. It
3: is big clever, but even though Leonard never felt the need to use them quite as, as exhaustively as we do, perhaps. No,
2: so this is the BloodandMud.com podcast. I am Lee fucking Calvert, the editor <laughs> of BloodandMud.com, and over there is... I am is...
3: Luzzy Rosie Josh Gardner. I thought I'd go soft for a <laughs>
2: Welcome along once again. I'd like to thank all of you out there for listening uh, because uh, and passing the word on because last week was actually a record-breaking week for the pod, Josh, in terms of listening wow. numbers.
3: That is exciting. That Clearly, is not... there's a correlation between me going on massive apoplectic rants about how shit whales are and and people listening to the podcast. So uh...
2: Yeah, I'm going to pretend <laughs> it was due to our efforts, but... <laughs> I think it was probably more due to the wistful waxings of uh, everyone's new favourite Scotsman, Dave the Brick Elliot.
3: Oh yeah, there was that, of course. I so, mean, b- uh, best be honest, he's a hes a media empire in himself, isn't he, really? So there's going to be a yeah. bump.
2: How is this man not discovered? You know, I don't know. If you want a change.org petition, that's one <laughs> right there. Get Dave the Brick Elliot commentating on national media for the rugby.
3: Yes. Can we just get rid of... Andy Nickel and replace him with David Brick. <laughs> Can we with just get rid of Andy, Nick? Andy you Nickel? You
2: had me at get rid of Andy Nickel. <laughs> um as a thank you for your continuing support out there, ladies and gentlemen. Um why not get yourself ten pound off a creative of lovely craft beer from Beer fifty two?
3: Yes, and as I'll level with you, given the uh socio political events that have occurred in the world last week, <laughs> I have been hitting my my box of beer pretty goddamn hard this week and it has taken the edge off.
2: If you go to beer52.com and use the code BLOODMUD10 you can get a lovely crate of wondrous booze for 14 quid Mm. delivered directly to your door. Scotland fans, imagine the convenience of sorrows drowning that (laughs) that that would facilitate for you.
3: Or indeed, when uh, in about 18 months' time, when we live in a post-nuclear apocalypse, <laughs> that'll be the only way to get beer.
2: I was I was so, wondering who was going to be the first person to do the nuclear apocalypse joke, <laughs> and it was you. Of
3: course it was. How many minutes are we? Three? Something like that, yeah. It, I thought i gave get the way he does.
2: Right then, enough. Let us mm. move on with yes, uh, the reviews. Some you. rugby was played. Some rugby was played this weekend, mm. and... The rugby was played. Uh, first of all let's talk about England, shall we?
3: Well, it's it's a fairly rational place to start, isn't it? Um I think before we talk about England, can we talk about how fucking dreadful South Africa are? Like
2: honestly Sorry, that was my phone there.
3: Oh, that's professional. Scottish isn't it?
2: Power have been blastingly trying to get hold of me for about nine hundred weeks. And I'm not even that customer, it's really annoying.
3: Amusingly, just before we came on air, I got a text from O2 asking me if I'd like to watch highlights of the England game, which is them misjudging their audience. (laughs) What do
2: they call it? Algorithm fail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, Anyway, let's talk about how bad South Africa are. Go, yes. Yeah,
3: they are. I know they shipped 60 to the All Blacks a month ago, but I think they might be getting worse. If that's somehow possible, like England firing on all and, uh, like if they'd been firing on all cylinders and they'd had wingers who weren't an absolute pile of shit, I think they'd have hung fifty on them easy. Like yeah, they should. Have. It's
2: it's it's interest. It's it's interesting that England have come so far in what is literally like twelve months now. It's almost Ooh. exactly twelve months, really, isn't it? That the crowd boos when Owen Farrell kicks. The ball out and ends the game when we're thirty-seven 37-21 up against South Africa.
3: Yeah, I mean, if they are, it wasn't even hard. Like, I was really surprised actually when I read that statistic that they hadn't beaten them in a decade because, like, two thousand seven aside, the box haven't exactly been hot piss for quite a while, have they? No, yet, but you, somehow...
2: you did see England in that time, didn't you? Yeah. You know, I know what I mean? Was... I mean, this is the thing. I think it's it's. it's... South Africa just always used to turn up and do what they do. And England, to be honest, were really bad for yeah. huge swathes of time. Yeah. I think we can all forget about that now and do a revisionist history on it. But actually, that is the fact of it. We weren't really very good for a long yeah. period of time. But uh, as the you said, large
3: portions of the first half were basically what England would have done for 80 minutes a year ago. That is whereas absolutely whereas time, true. Yes, that is absolutely true. They the just first... went, oh, we don't have to get sucked into this reductive mess of shit. We, yeah, we don't have to get sucked to into this
2: 10-metre-wide game plan where we give away a penalty every seven minutes. Yes. Now we do that for 15-20 minutes and then go, right, yeah. lad, catch yourselves on, will yeah. you?
3: Nine penalties is enough. Let's knock it on the head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
3: but I think that, that Courtney Laws try just kind of summed up South Africa in general, in that it was just a shambles of disorganisation and bad decisions. Yeah, Remember, it should have been
2: soundtracked by hoin- honks and zings. Oh, so. and, it,
3: and of course it ended in an unmitigated catastrophe for them which seems to be a theme they were just i mean and God, why do they like,
2: kick so much i don't because it's they still like, think
3: it's 2009 and it's not like they, it's
2: not it's not that they kick too much when they actually do kick it's like their feet are made out of Tobe their own candy floss, basically. And Will, uh, what has happened to Willie LaRue? We've talked about this before, right? I know. He used it's to a... be one of the most exciting counter attackers in the world, and now he seems to be doing like a shit poor impression of Stuart Hammersley. It's bad, isn't it?
3: And it sort of makes you feel a little bit for Di Young. See, he probably thought he was signing one of the most exciting fullbacks in the world, and what he's basically has done is signed Tom Ascott.
2: Is it is it is it the coaching though? I is think he being coached to kick I this ball away? Because that's not what he would do naturally.
3: A is it? Fucking terrible job. I, I think when we look at the quality of the players that they have, and they do still have players of very very good quality. And I mean, we talked about bad defending last week with Wales, but like the fringe defence for those two Ben Youngs tries were as bad as anything Wales did last week. And to do it once, yes. Yeah. Just bad luck. But to Pete, do it twice is just to be wantonly shit.
2: Peter stefti can't decide which first name he has and can't decide <laughs> which person to defend. It was no. unbelievable. Because actually, it's not as a fact that he took the... Well, it, what was he doing? It's really hard to understand exactly. what he was actually doing because who was he trying to cover?
3: Yeah, part of me thinks, well, okay, he's a lock playing at six, and he's not familiar with it. But that doesn't
2: change. Yeah, just but he's familiar with not tackling Eighteen
3: like, foot <laughs> hole next to the fucking.
2: You don't. Ruck. Have, that, that that really pissed me when he gets him. So, well, this is what happens when you play a second row. So, well, no, because second rows are used to standing near a rock <laughs> and tackling exactly, people. And them you, them that's not a specific yeah. back row skill. That's just something <laughs> no. that rugby players have to do.
3: Yeah, that doesn't matter if you're a 9 a 10 a 4 a 6. You still yeah. if you if you see a huge gap in the defensive line, you should probably fill that gap. <laughs> or That's just commit to do something. Shit.
2: Just Yeah. Just just commit if you get stepped, fine, but actually do yeah. something.
3: Make make him make some sort of decision. Yeah. No, I mean, I honestly think that the scoreline massively flattered the Springboks. Like England battered them and they never really got out of third gear.
2: No, indeed, were yeah. yeah. Of, we were, were, uh, England, we didn't look great. That one no. try was a glimpse yeah. into what Eddie Jones does. Because that yes. was absolutely classic Jones, wasn't it? That was everything about Japan when he was there, Australia absolutely. when they played well, a wonderfully executed move off, mm. off off the back of a... Was it a set piece? It came off, I can't remember now. Yes, but I think it was, yeah. The point the, then is the, that's what he does, isn't it? Yeah. And that and then, was the one time he did it. And you know what? I'll actually take that. I'm quite pleased because actually it shows... Yeah. He's doing it. Because yeah, throughout the summer, even with all the good off. results, it didn't look like maybe that's what was happening, but it is now.
3: No. And and I mean, also we talked about the discipline, even though the, that just first half discipline was fucking dreadful. What was hmm. it? Nine penalties yeah, in 20 minutes thing. or something comically awful like that. But when you defend as well as England defend, like it kind of doesn't matter. It's sort of in the way that the All Blacks give away a lot of penalties, but they kind of don't. They know that If you knock a three over, they'll just go down and score a try at the other end. It's sort of a similar thing to that, really.
2: Pat Lambie's kicking was inexplicable. It didn't really matter. We could have infringed all day because he was spannering it all over the shop.
3: (laughs) Yeah, about the only thing that went right for South Africa was probably the scrum where Dan Cole had an absolute pasting, let's be honest.
2: And when they ran through rocks about three times, that worked. When they basically picked up and yeah. ran over the top of the rook about three yeah. times, that kind of power yeah. move. We used to play against Barry seconds in South Wales, used to always do that. He had three big lads <laughs> who would just pick up the ball and run over the top of the rook, and he had to kind of run after them.
3: Which I think shows the sort of relationship yes. that we're talking about here, isn't it? It's Barry seconds. Spring,
2: the Springboks play a lot like Barry seconds, yeah. But
3: they, they picked this massive fucking back row, and then, aside from giving it a little bit of large in the first 20 minutes, they did fuck all with it. What's the point, as you said, in picking a lock in your back mm. row, and then not bothering to compete in the line-out? It's like, you've got... Yeah.
2: And Hartley at one point, three, he threw like 80% of his line-outs to the front, Yeah and they didn't even bother getting anybody up to try and deal no, with it.
3: It was so... They, they looked like a team that doesn't have a coach at the moment, I, I and it doesn't have any leadership on the field, like... With the greatest respect to the players that are out there, none of them look like they really give a fuck.
2: They're like the reverse Haguarez. they don't look like they've got a coach either, but they're at the opposite end of the scale, in, aren't they? In
3: a in a fantastic. Yeah, they, they don't know, have a coach, yeah. but they
2: just turn up with the boots and then just fucking come on, lads, let's just, just flung it around. Whereas South Africa don't have a coach and don't have a clue what to do and shit themselves and just don't know and just pull the ball in tight and then just <laughs> I mean, there was the last twenty five minutes, even though that's when they scored. Mm. There were parts of that second half where literally you were just like, you haven't got a fucking clue what you're trying to do here. Nobody no. on that park has got a clue what what this team is supposed to be doing.
3: No, they have no shape. They've got no, even the merest hint of organisation or an attacking game. I mean, you th- it makes you appreciate Wales because at least they were capable of Turning it around and putting something vaguely approaching a rugby team on the field on Saturday, but yeah, South Africa, Jesus Christ, they have it's remarkable how, as rapidly as England have risen, South Africa have gone from being a sort of average with potential to be quite decent occasional team to being a really awful team, (laughs) like,
2: Mm. yeah, really bad. And, if it but, weren't
3: for the psychological side of things, I'd say that they would, well, go home not having beaten anyone.
2: It's easy to, when you're talking like this, to actually say that, well, England were no good and they were always going to win that game. And that, that's fair. You've got to remember, this is the first international of the season.
3: Yeah. They had, a no, pretty, th-
2: they had a pretty poor start. We had a pretty poor start. Hmm. And it's indicative of what Jones has done that we, as we've said, that was turned around. And now we're, we're chasing after New Zealand's record now, Josh. It's yeah, coming. well, it's,
3: it's on the only team that's going to trouble that record is ireland.
2: jeric barman number 84 a regular mm. listener and contributor, contributor hello said it's very depressing that the fixtures that england have to play to break new zealand's record are fiji argentina win, win. australia probably a win france win wales win <laughs> scotland and then as you say right at the end ireland
3: Ireland's the only one that I can see really get a hand on heart beating them there, and you look at the, the way that they're developing. You know, they've got that confidence now mm. because they've won 11 games on the bounce or whatever it is, and all of a sudden now just starting to bring that next stage into it. You know, playing Elliot Daly at 13, mm. that 10, 12, 13 axis of Ford, Farrell, and Daly. I mean, okay, Ford is in one of his high on confidence streak moments yeah. where he looks brilliant at the moment and that could end at literally any moment.
2: But he could but. be one of those players that gets confidence when he comes into the England camp. He might be having yeah. a bad time at Bath, but if he's loved and indulged, mm. wrong word, but you know what I mean? That basically he knows yes, he's secure then. there. He knows to play in a game that he can play. He, you know, his, his club form might not... Because you do find exactly. that sometimes. You do find some players... I mean, did Will Greenwood ben ever Young's... really play very well for a club? No, and Ben Youngs—he's not been very good for Leicester, and you
3: stuck an England shirt on him, and all of a sudden—true.
2: Who has um, been very it, good for Leicester, though?
3: Yeah. Well, but I think, as much as anything, as much as the performance wasn't great, it sort of showed. Like strength in depth has always been something that England have had. Yeah. Over everybody else, like, but that's for the last fifteen years. They've never actually managed to pair that strength in depth with confidence and good coaching, to like make them actually click as a unit. Because now you can, you kind of feel like Jones could take anybody from that EPS squad hmm. and slot them in on a match day, and they probably there wouldn't be that much drop off. You know, to and lose if... a player of Atodji's caliber and have a launch spree or a Laws to step in is one thing.
2: Imagine how many points we'd have won by if was playing. I know. It'd have been about three thousand nil.
3: Yeah. Or if he hadn't sent Rocker Dagoni home.
2: <laughs> yeah. Marlon Yard did <laughs> that loop round the back for that very good try move because obviously he was told stand there, run Literally, there, pass yeah. it. Beyond got that
3: instruction, this game, Marlon. can you li- live with that? Beyond yes.
2: that, he really is a little bit garbage. I'm sorry. He's terrible,
3: and <laughs> a lot of people have been eulogising about Johnny May. But I think that's mainly because they feel sorry for him, and I and I don't have any of that issue. I don't feel like he's had a knee reconstruction. Good on him. That for was a back. cracking finish,
2: to be fair to It you. was a great a finish. Very good finish. But
3: he is still not international standard as a winger, in my opinion. And I never
2: thought they, he would be, and he looked like he would be. And I'm I'm reserving judgment until this knee <laughs> reconstruction is a. Uh, which is not like me, enough. but I'm, I'm reserving no, judgment no. for now. you so remember, I mean, feels
3: a bit sorry for him because he yeah, looks like well, a sort you, of. World War One poet.
2: Well, do you remember when the biggest worry about Johnny May used to be that he would run off the pitch and up into the stands sideways? He used to run. He would actually not stop, and he'd yes. end up hitting the back wall of like the East Stand or whichever stand he is in Twickenham. I still don't
3: think that's entirely gone from it.
2: <laughs> it hasn't, but he has actually started running, and he is the turn of pace is good, and he can finish a bit. He can, he can finish, finish a bit.
3: You give him that, but yeah, I think when you look at how the All Blacks struggled last week. When they took th- their three first-choice locks away, and then you look at England and think, well, even if England had lost their first four locks, they probably had another two in reserve that probably could have done a job and probably yeah. would have well, yeah, pulled out if that they'd win. Have it's a, it's in. very.
2: That would have been all right. Yeah. He'd have done a yeah. decent job. Both us got them well drilled. It wouldn't be a problem. Yeah.
3: It just shows that whoever played, you could literally put a tackling dummy in the England number 7 jersey and everything would be fine as well. It's a, Which is it's virtually a what they've been having anyway. Yeah. Woo! It's a, it's a great Woo! endorsement of that whole thing because frankly, Tom Wood is about as much of an international open side as you or I. And yet, what he is, is a decent international six and yet Jones has got a system that just works fine with yeah, he that he has a system that and doesn't
2: need a 7 which is one way of yeah. dealing with not having one isn't it I suppose it's,
3: it's a fantastic way of maximising your resources in the short term I think and he's very good at that so yeah happy days for England fans
2: happy days for England speaking of happy days or not so happy days let's have a conversation about Scotland
3: <laughs> Sunday Monday happy days Saturday
2: <laughs> was not a happy day um, Scotland lose to Australia want... by one heartbreak to nil Again.
3: Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm getting into the Scots here, but honestly, at no point did I actually think they'd win this game, even when they were well on top. Like They're like Wales, and I've got a lot of experience of that. <laughs> They've not got the belief to win games against big teams See, in that situation. I
2: thought they were going to win. And you see, and it's even worse for me because I'm an I was an England cricket fan before they started being reasonably good, <laughs> so I should know that all hope should be thrown away.
3: Yeah, all hope is basically just fanfare to the inevitable misery of. Just, that's what being a Wales fan has taught me for the last thirty two years, and yeah, I just something look at Ireland and the way that they've started to learn how to win and how to believe that they can beat these teams and now England have always had it because they have that sort of they've always been quite good even when they were shit and yeah but teams like Scotland and Wales they're just so used to be in the underdogs that they get into this position late on in games where it's close and they shit themselves and they go oh fuck boys what if we win this and then
2: yeah Graham Love got in touch and best he just said it's shite being Scottish <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose is kind of a, in, in, a few, in less words what you just said, but I think going just to to reflect on it with England and reflecting on Wales last week, this you know if that was England's slow start mm. then that's indicative of actually how well they're doing right now exactly yeah then compared to Wales's slow start last week, then you look at Scotland on Saturday, and it wasn't a slow start, but no, yeah it very then, good it then just became exactly what it always has been
3: mm-hmm. That was the thing, though, because what they did was that they did exactly what Wales didn't do last week, which is they took Australia up on up front, they got out of the blocks on defence really quickly, and they gave their half-backs very little time to do what they did with yeah, the ball. because they and didn't look like rattled. the same
2: team, did they, Australia, from from the week before, attacking with the ball in their hands. They, weren't allowed, no, they couldn't all, do any of the things they Wales did. They just did not have
3: the time. And like Australia are much better than they were back in the summer when they got done by England or even in the rugby championship I think the back line feels a lot more balanced hmm. than it did particularly in that England series like Folau at fullback is much better there um, the big units on the wing seem to work and I really like the look of that um, uh, What's uh, Rhys Hodge the 12 like yes he, he's
2: he's he's a good footballer as they say. Yeah, he's, got, and, a bit, he's, he's quick, got a bit and of I nous like, he's got a bit of nous and a bit of speed and he's a big um, lad
3: but it just it was one of those things like it was sad, really, because I mean, I was sort of watching it in a bar in Cardiff, and I wasn't really following much of the nuance of the game, I'll level with you, but it was <laughs> the, the, like, you just sort of saw the... There's very the little nuance players, about
2: but, bars in Cardiff, in, in no, my experience, in key, anything to when, go by.
3: It's two o'clock in the afternoon, and it's the fourth time a pretty girl has offered you a shot of Jägermeister in the last hour. Um, <laughs> there's not a great deal of room for, for nuance in that kind of establishment. But no, I think... Like, you've got to look at the way that they just... They had those key injuries, you know, Hardy and Ryan Wilson and mm. and um, Gray as well. And it's like...
2: And Barkley played, played really well, but then kept giving away daft penalties. A, was, re- I mean, that, that, that was, was just the, the most brainless yeah, stuff well, to was do the problem.
3: They, they, That That unit played really well together in the Six Nations last year. But once he had to reshuffle it, like, as good as Barkley played, they just got bullied by Hooper and Pocock and Tamani as well you would expect pretty much anyone to get. There's Will, only so much he could have done.
2: And Will Skelton, who is a massive shit house. Literally <laughs> an idiot. Literally a, a massive idiot. shit house,
3: yeah. Yeah. He's but he is the size of one and is also just a moron. Uh, like one of the silliest yellow cards you'll ever he's see. He's a
2: terrible rugby player. If he was if he was hundred and ten kilograms, he would be fucking nowhere near an international team. Nowhere near.
3: Find me a freak, as they say in the coaching yeah. circles, allegedly.
2: Uh, Robbie Alexander, but- uh, speaking of stat, there's an interesting stat for you about Scotland, right? Which might be indicative of why they've got a problem. Robbie Alexander got in touch on Twitter. Hello, Robbie. At Blood and Mud. And he said, I'm wondering how much Scotland could win these games by if only they could catch restarts. They only took one from five.
3: Fucking hell, that is bad. That is appalling. It seemed like they were not doing that very well. But like you've just gotta it shouldn't be that hard, should it?
2: There's no excuse for restarts at all. Literally no. you are lifted into the air to catch them. Mm. You're not gonna get a jump. yeah.
3: Yeah, all that requires is that you vaguely see where the ball is coming from and then you jump at the right time.
2: And somebody lifts you to where the ball is. Yeah. You might have Aleb Brew jumping in front of you to like ruin it <laughs> but missing, obviously. But obviously, yeah. But basically, yeah, that's that's remember Lewis moody he was like a specialist uh, kicker he jester, was a, wasn't he? Uh,
3: he was a lunatic is what he was <laughs> with no regard for his own personal well-being or safety but yes that did make him good on kickoffs uh, but i think yeah scotland played very well and and but there's something to be said for like we said a good performance is a winning one not a valiant heartbreaking defeat and england might have been 6 out of 10 overall probably less in the first half but they still beat the Springboks and that's the kind of mentality that you need
2: but they're building that on the back of some decent performances as well I mean for honest let's be honest it was no picnic watching Scotland for quite a number of years oh god no unless it was one of those picnics where it rains all day and like (laughs) wild animals keep trying to bite your children and it was exactly like a picnic watching Scotland but actually
3: yeah while Chris Patterson kicks the goals
2: while Chris Chris Patterson kicks the goal with that thing with that (laughs) kicking style he had he used to wipe his his arm past his ear yeah almost like a reverse bowler it was the strangest thing (laughs) But, but I mean if you look at that again one imagine if Tim Visser had pace mm. actual proper pace loads of the loads of the people in the commentary were like oh Dean Mum's deceptively quick fuck off Dean Mum's deceptively quick
3: <laughs> Dean fuck Mum off is deceptively quick in the way that a wardrobe is deceptively quick <laughs> yeah, Tim if Visser it's going downstairs it might look rapid as a, a Bannerhan
2: esque turn of pace basically <laughs> disgraceful no, I mean this. This they... and Peter Horn. I mean, basically, yeah. he took one step to his right, and I don't know why, because Finn no. Russell was tackling Bernard Foley quite clearly, he was
3: covered, and, and yet, he almost he stepped
2: left. right, thinking, and oh, we might assume it, I think he must have, He was going to run over Finn Russell, I suppose. Is that what he was thinking? That's like, and that's all, that's all it took. That's all it took. Not then like he was out Bernard of
3: Foley is fucking Jamie Roberts, is it? It's, I think Finn Russell probably had it.
2: Well, he'd had but... him all game. Yeah, There's no reason to believe he no, was going to miss it.
3: It was, just, it was a, one of those horrible, inevitable. but that's what happens when you have insufficient confidence in your own abilities, is that you start to second-guess yourself in and these tight moments, that and that's position, what happened.
2: And they were in that position because Barkley had given away a death penalty. Yeah, Small and then it was, a,
3: it was a penalty. I know a lot of people say they were quite, like a lot of Scottish fans are saying they were very hard done by on the deck and maybe they were a little bit, but that one I think was, was a a pretty straightforward penalty, really, and yeah, they just when you don't have faith in yourself and in your system and your teammates to win that kind of game, this is what happens. You do something. You think, oh fuck, what if he go? He runs over him. So what, I'm going to take a step to the right and then leave a gaping hole for Curran So what to does it take through.
2: to actually? Is it just winning? You just got to start winning and get into the habit. Is that it? You think? I think it probably well, part
3: of it. I, I think it's a. a coach's job as much as anything you look at what ireland did with the all blacks like they lost that absolute sickener to the all blacks in 2013 with the last minute try
1: Mm.
3: and they but then schmidt's thing was to rather than let them make that a complex was to go look how close we did next time we get a shot at this we're going to do better Mm. and over the ensuing three or four years, they gradually built up a belief and a mentality that they could have a crack at it next time. And they basically have yeah, because based most of their last year or so of preparation around this one that one game. And once you get over that...
2: Because twice them, now Scotland have demonstrated they can beat Australia. Mm. One in a pretty high-profile game at the quarterfinals, and this was a proper proper test match, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like... They're struggling for the talent, is it?
3: And they don't have a terrible record against Australia. I think they their beat record Australia in, the last... in
2: 2011. Did they? Something in the autumn. I think
3: their record in the last four or five years is something like fifty-fifty. They've played four, won two, lost two. Wow. So they've got a good record against Australia, but yeah, they just they'll always they'll always lose out to teams that have a. a more solid mental strength and belief in their And Australia, for all of their shitness at the moment, and they are still not that good a team, they'll always have that surfeit well, and well of confidence. They're Australians, confidence. aren't they? Well, exactly. They they're are completely more Australian.
2: unearned and unearned <laughs> well of arrogance and confidence. Exactly. Undeserved. Um. Mm. Right, so that was Scotland versus... I felt very sorry for him, but yes, as... As sure as eggs is eggs, I was kind of with you. Although I thought for a while they might have got over it, because I think Australia looked like they weren't doing anything for so long. That was the thing. Well, that's they did very little. They did. It was a funny game. I still can't quite work out. You know, in honesty, I can't really work out how they lost it. No, because Australia didn't really do anything, did they? You know, it was. Did they just fall off a little little bit? Yeah,
3: Yeah. they They gradually let them have a little bit more, a little bit, and they couldn't quite keep that intensity of the first half up and. I think particularly straight after the first after half time where they conceded that cheap penalty early on and got them back within five it was like oh okay here we go the gradual chipping away at what was their lead begins and so it sort of was and it was very sad but
2: Wales beat Argentina Which was, according to Rob Howley, the great pride restorer of a performance.
3: (laughs) What it was was a bloody dreadful game. Well, you were
2: there Uh, in the gilded splendour of the corporate hospitality box, Josh. So, what was the view like from there?
3: uh, Before the game, or after? Because before the game, I witnessed uh, a young lady coming out of the uh, toilets in the hospital area wearing a bib of sick. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, if you if you South want to know Wales, what uh, and gentlemen, South hospitality Wales. in the Principality Stadium is like, uh, there you go.
2: <laughs> so when you get those emails saying come and pay two hundred quid for an hospitality ticket for this, they don't mention that, do they?
3: <laughs> they certainly do not. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a shit game. Nobody was very good, but compared to last week, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's got to be positive to get a win. Like, yeah, nobody actually evacuate the. We did their bowels on the field, so that's probably a, a. They looked like they had some sort of heart and pride, and like last week, so I think I'll take it. To be honest, I mean, it
2: was a very very weird game. It was because Argentina. How did look, Wales not win by? In terms of territory and possession, is it because you're still so kind of a bit useless, really, that you couldn't expect oh, them to really build on bad, possession like?
3: Yeah? It shows the value of Warburton and Alan Wynne-Jones, really. because that does,
2: yeah. yeah, They absolutely
3: set the tone in the pack. And as the pack showed last week, they're fucking rudderless without them. And because we were so solid at the set piece, and we had good physicality at the breakdown and good line speed, like, there was, you know, Argentina were shit, but that was mainly because Wales were doing a very good job of slowing their ball down and making them sort of try to force things that they didn't really have to. Um, and they didn't really challenge the Welsh defence at all, aside from that one try, which well, had more to do
2: with a lucky bank. I've seen else. them forcing things they didn't really have to. I won't <laughs> believe it, Josh.
3: Well, exactly. But, like, yeah, like Wales were totally in control of that game, pretty much from minute one. And yet, once again, they did. Because they kept turning down kickable points
2: yeah, to it's go to the corner. they swung the pendulum completely the other way, hadn't they? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was way, way closer and way tenser than it needed to be with 15 minutes to go. And because ev- everything went well, really, except for the attacking game. Like, the set piece, I think Thomas Francis probably had his best international game I've seen him have. Like, how a man... Let's be honest. How can a man that fat <laughs> last 80 minutes at test level? It's heroic. Yeah. But he just, uh, he just got down every scrum lined up and refused to move and won penalty after penalty and got his opposite number sent yeah, off. Yeah, what's it his was... first
2: receiver pivot like, though? That's all I'm concerned with. I mean, he's no Samson Lee in that regard,
3: is he? But no, I thought the scrum was really good. The line-out worked perfectly well. Everything went well, with the exception of the attacking game, because it was a bag of shit. Adam which, Reeves, I mean, you well, think well, you know why, don't you? Because,
2: do as Adam Reese said, when he got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud, what was shit was not getting to see Samson Lee in Wel- ignite the Welsh attack from first receiver in the last 20 minutes. As yeah, the Argentina team were tiring, he could have come on, held the scrum up and then weaved, his, you know, weaved that, his, his tangerine magic from first receiver.
3: I know, and this just goes to show that Rob Howley is a coach of limited vision. To limited say the least.
2: vision, yes. Yeah. <laughs> limited <laughs> vision. Yeah,
3: I mean, I think this, this Williams-Davis axis probably needs a few games to see what they can do because Rome True. is not going to be fixed in a day.
2: And they but did both look bit... better than Jamie Roberts. I have Well, to say. sort of,
3: yeah. But the, the problem I think that they've got is that they're both really 13s. Like hmm. John Davis is 13, but I think Scott Williams is a 13 as well. Um, but Wales don't seem to have a player that they need at 12, which is that sort of Robbie Henshaw kind of player. Hmm. Somebody who's a big lad, who's got pace and power, but can also step and offload a little bit. Well, he can um,
2: straighten the attack in all the ways you need him to. He can yes, smash it up. Then, he can kick it a then, bit, and he can actually use his hands a bit if it needs to, yeah.
3: I wonder if actually the solution might be Alec to Brew. swap them around. No, well, yes, maybe. <laughs> but um, to swap them around. John Davis becomes the hard running 12 who can pass, kick, tackle, and step.
2: And we know he can kick. Oh, good God, do and we he know can, he can good kick?
3: Good God, can he kick it. Well, he's, he's so, got. Yeah. It's an excellent sort of. He has that then second. Kicking option at 12. Which he often makes his Scott first Williams- option,
2: doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. For Christ's sake, H- Jonathan, stop kicking the fucking ball.
3: <laughs> for God's sake, stop with the grubbers, lad. But then you give Scott Williams the space in the 13 channel to use the pace and the creativity to attack outside. And that could kind of work. But I, as a result, I reckon that Rob Howley will never use it.
2: I uh, I was coached for a period of time by Crispin Cormac, Right. Who played outside Arthur Ponte in the 90s. Mm-hmm.
3: I vaguely remember the name. When
2: Neil Jenkins got injured, he was the outside half that took Ponty to the title that year. But anyway, the reason why I'm telling this story is because he he had a brilliant thing he used to say. He used to preface things with not interested. Like if you were were training and then you'd like throw a miss pass or something, he'd like blow his whistle and go not interested, not interested in miss passes. And so then you have to start again. And basically, and, or something like that, but then basically there was, there was one guy in our team and he reminds me of Jonathan Davis in that he wasn't very good at kicking, but kept trying to do it. And the number of times that Crispin would say, not interested in X kicking the ball, not interested in the slightest. Then that's what we basically need to get Crispin in there into the, into the Welsh squad. And every time he shapes the kick, not interested in Jonathan Davis kicking the ball.
3: No, and that's the problem really, is that we've got... Wales can't keep relying on individuals to do impressive things to score tries, because no. like, well, I be can't phases, remember the last there time there has to
2: be pattern, doesn't it? In any team, yeah. I can't remember the play.
3: last time they scored a try that was actually unlocked through, like unlocked the defence through pattern.
2: Yes, and that is right. what all the best teams do now. Even New Zealand with all does. their inventory and hygiene. No, it's, it's mostly about, about pattern, and it's most it's. You know, you start speaking exclusively in truisms when it comes to stuff like this, but basically know, you've got to get a good platform and have somebody with half a fucking brain to do something with the ball. It's really not it's very not, complicated. It's
3: not rocket, and they've got players that have got brains, clearly, but like that 10-minute period at the end of the first half was just an exercise. At no point did I expect Wales to score a try in that scenario, yeah. and they didn't, and they just smashed themselves against the Puma's defence in the scrum until they well, gave away
2: the inevitable pen. What was that and scrum it's... like, by the way? 19 Ugh. reset scrums, penalty Argentina.
3: It's fucking Boom. ridiculous, isn't it? But, um... and, and that's the problem that they really need to get. And it, it it needs time. Like, it needs a bit of patience with it to see if, if Davis and Williams can become the 12-13 uh, oh. axis access, access that unlocks everything. But I honestly think it's going to take more than that. And it might require... A change at fly half uh, or a bit of a rejig.
2: Long Starbird got a touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud and said, The thing is, he's Welsh, he said, The thing is, we were miles better and still nowhere near good enough. That's, that's how that's bad last quickly. week
3: was. Yeah. Like, they, there's still so much more to go as far as, like. And why? That old attacking game goes.
2: And why has Dan Bigger decided to permanently cross the line from slightly gobby but yet effective person to just total twat?
3: I think the problem is that the more under pressure he feels his position is, the more irate that he gets when everything doesn't go his way. And the problem is, like, he is so not in that. He's trying to be a modern ten, but hmm. he just isn't. Like, when fair play to him, even when he made that break for the the Liam Williams try, hmm. he. Dummied it more, three more times than he needed to, where he could have just given a pass to Halfpenny outside, he would have run in and scored. Instead, he dummied about three times, got tackled, and then it was only the superhuman brilliance of Liam Williams that actually meant that, that wasn't a complete fucking shambles. And yeah, somebody, I, I, they're talking about I was big having, changes for Japan. I don't I was, think it's a good idea at all.
2: I was having a go at him on Twitter for his, his gobbing off on Saturday, and then somebody mm. just replied with Andy's got a wanker's haircut. <laughs> 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 Which is actually perfectly true. I hadn't noticed he has got a wanker haircut, yeah. But um, yeah, so there's that. And but this game will only be remembered for one particular moment, won't it? Of
3: course it will. It is frankly, I, I there was mod. There was happiness when Wales scored their tries. On in the stadium on, on Saturday afternoon, mm. you know, half empty as it was. But um, I think the greatest moment of crowd outpouring of joy for the entire day was, of course, just everything brilliant that Gethin Jenkins did, including a cheeky little sidestep and dummy yep. in, early in the game, which we loved, and then, of course, the exquisite, ridiculous, off-the-side-of-the-boots, dink into the 22 which I still
2: yeah it's, I, it, it was just, a glorious glorious piece was of what we call fuck it I'll do it myself
3: well it, I, but in the case of Gethin the answer is always if when you ask should you do it himself the answer in Gethin's case always, is yes. yes it's a simple flowchart. you should job. always do it yes. yourself
2: like because he's, he's got form for there. this as well hasn't he He's got form for deciding to boot the ball.
3: Oh, God, yeah. He's The the, the list of wonderful things that Gethin <laughs> has done in his career is just... It's it's comically long now. I mean, I was thinking about this after the game. I was thinking, perhaps because of the position he plays or perhaps because of the last few years he's had... In fairness, he has had a couple of periods where he's had a rough time of it in the scrum has, and right. it's not gone well. But I honestly don't think he gets nearly enough credit for how fucking good he is. Like... He became the world's most cap front rower on the weekend. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Gethin Jenkins is easy. One of the top ten greatest Welsh players to ever play the game. Like, he might be one of the most complete all-round rugby players, to be honest with you, the sport has ever seen. Like, people can talk about Gareth Edwards or Barry John... But could either of them hold up a scrum for 15 years? Because that is the <laughs> yeah, ridiculous thing about getting Jenkins. Yeah, and he can Knight also ups. throw
2: missed passes and. and yeah, uh, and
3: yeah. dink lovely and do sidesteps and score <laughs> tries from 30, 40 metres out. Like, he is, as an athlete and as a pure rugby player, like, ridiculous.
0: Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna.
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams
0: podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now.
3: like, agree. He's as good around the park as a back row. He's a better international open side than probably anyone in England has seen in the seven Shirt since Neil Back. Um, he sidesteps, he dummies, he passes, he offloads off both hands, he's... He can kick out a hand better than most international fly-offs, apparently. And he's 35. And, and he also scrummages as well. Like, yeah. he, was he has a bad time Coles. of it
2: sometimes. However, every time they think he's over, every time they think he's it's not. over for him, like yeah. in a World Cup last year, you think that's fucking it now. He can't yeah. scrummage anymore. He's 34, 35. Yeah. That's the end of it. And he just keeps coming back. Yeah, and, and he,
3: works te- he works on his scrummaging technique and all of a sudden he comes back and he's, perf- he's never going to be a dominant scrummager. No. But he holds up his side perfectly well. He's not as big as other
2: props, is he? Or is that because his head's massive so his body looks smaller?
3: (laughs) I think that is part, but he was basically Dane Coles a decade before Dane Coles was Dane Coles. You know. Maybe not quite as
2: mobile as that, but yes, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But he's
3: like you remember his charge down try against Ireland in the two thousand and five Grand Slam? That was pretty fucking mobile. (laughs) Yeah, and he he did did used to pop up in the thirteen channel. He used to pop up in the thirteen
2: channel as well, didn't he? Quite a bit. Yep. And he's six true. foot two and 19 stone, you know. God, he is big, isn't he? I, didn't, he's he, I think it's the hair. I think it's because his body looks small. Next to that massive <laughs> Exactly.
3: Head. He's next to Thomas Francis a lot of the time as well, which doesn't That's help. That's
2: true. But, um, I do, but I do love uh, the, the kind of thing where he was, he was literally, tell you what, Dan, while you're screaming like a detoyed toddler, I'll just <laughs> caress this ball to the touchline, like you yes. should be fucking doing, I'm by doing. the way.
3: And, and I'll do it in such a ridiculously... Well weighted way that I'll force Argentina to, con- to concede the line out which we score the winning try from as well. As Go much as then. it
2: is unusual, I do still find it amazing how many commentators still like talk about it as if it's like a dog that's just spoken when when when, when <laughs> players do. So it is like you know, oh my uh-huh. god! Because as he was winding up to do it, Eddie Butler literally like kind of shouted and "The Jenkins is shaping for a kick!" You know, it was kind of like the most. <laughs> it was as if like it was the most insane thing in the world.
3: But it is the sort of, it's it's the big man doing something, anything thing. The good feet for
2: a big man in football issue, yes. Yeah,
3: it's it's the glorious incongruity of somebody whose job is basically to push and hit (laughs) rucks doing something. And it's the fact
2: that Gethin looks a bit thick. Massively so. (laughs) He just looks a bit thick, doesn't he? He obviously quite clearly isn't, he just looks a bit
3: thick. In the same way that Samson Lee just always looks angry, <laughs> yeah. Geth always doing, looks Samson? a little I'm bit angry fuming. and confused. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't help him when he gets pinged at the scrum because he always sort of. Yeah.
2: And when he's captain. Looks, what do you want to do, yes. captain? Yeah. Do you want me to but, kick it? <laughs>
3: but just, yeah, it was. For all of the rubbishness of that game, and it was a bad game, um, that whole moment just encapsulated everything that was good and pure about Gethin Jenkins and I'm fine with that.
2: Fair enough. Right. That's Wales versus Argentina. We'll see what happens next week. Who have you got next week?
3: Uh, Japan.
2: Oh, that's the only one you sold out, isn't it?
3: Yes. And also, uh, they're talking about big changes. I don't think that's a very good idea. It's like, can we just (laughs) maybe try and get some semblance of a team playing point, together thing. I think Liam Williams before. should play foot. We haven't we mentioned Liam Williams by the way.
2: But I think um, not really. Yes. I mean,
3: well, he's just I I saw something. I don't know if there's any truth in this, but I saw somebody say that Liam Williams didn't come through any rugby academy. So, to be said because he was that, a scaff. He was a scaffolder and then he started playing for the, the Premish in the Premiership because he was a big lad and he was quick and then they realized that he was fucking ridiculous. And if that's kind of what it takes, <laughs> like if, if we're not producing players like that because the academy system is drilling these players to be too unimaginative with the ball and he is like a textbook example of what happens when we don't, then the academies need to take a long, hard look at themselves two, and how they're coaching players.
2: Two points about Liam Williams, right? Mm-hmm. One... That bit where he decided to fight with the entire Argentine pack was one of the most brilliant fucking things I've ever seen (laughs) because he just did not give a shit, did he? He just started hitting anybody who was near to him and actually had to be, and literally was scrappy doing it. It, A lot of backs when they get involved in fights, quite honestly, gob a lot, but are moving away. You know, yeah, they don't they don't really want to get waits, involved. They're
3: secretly just waiting for a lock to turn up so they can Yeah, step so up, they
2: can kinda and be pulled somebody please pull me out of the way. That wasn't yeah, him at all. He was, was bang up, up
3: for it. And you've just got a you've got to love a player like that. And yeah. I think he certainly sets the tone as far as the backs go of what they want to do, which is people I ha- I don't understand how people hate him. Because people do seem to hate do him. Do they? Who? Yeah. People think that he's like a like a footballer, they claim, and that he's because he's gobby and mouthy and a bit of a gobshite. And it's like, well, though backs have always been mouthy, annoying. I've never gobshites.
2: really noticed that about him.
3: He can be a bit chip. He's not like Dan bigger, though. He he gets he will complain and moan a little bit, but I mean, the man is a joy to watch. A genuine. joy. If you joy. ask me,
2: I don't understand why he's not playing fullback. I'm I'm baffled.
3: I think it might be a conversation that needs to happen. Although I will say, Halfpenny probably had one of his better games. And he's not a
2: bad player. But yeah,
3: and it's clearly that. Would he's you weaken that? Given... Would
2: you strengthen that position, the fullback position, by putting Liam Williams there? Or would you strengthen the full-back position more by putting Williams there than you would weaken any wing position by putting Halfpenny there?
3: It is a question that I think Rob Howley is going to have to. Answer before the. I bet his answer's exciting.
2: Session. I bet it's a very no, yeah. exciting answer that he has when he tells it to you in the media.
3: Well, exactly. Good God. I, 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 personally think, yeah, you're probably right. I think halfpenny probably had like. I always think that a lot of halfpenny's criticism that he gets is because he's basically told, stay mm. where you are. Don't come into the line unless it's absolutely definitely on, because you are basically there to be the last line of defence. Like it was noticeable yep. in that Argentina game that clearly Rob Howley is gone. If you if you'd like to have a run, Lee, feel free to to have a little run because all of a sudden he was coming into the line, he was stepping, folks, he was passing the ball. It.
2: But another reason I mean, why Lee Williams him should be playing fullback is he wouldn't listen to any of that, <laughs> and exactly he would just that. do it anyway.
3: Yeah. And he's not a good, as good a defender as Halfpenny, but I think if you've yeah, got the three of them that doesn't mean across, he's a bad defender. That's, no, he's this a is, very good is, defender. This,
2: there's a bandwidth of defenders. He's incredibly good, Halfpenny, but Williams isn't going to miss a tackle, is he? No, well, he didn't miss any the And his, po- and the his weekend, positioning isn't certain. particularly bad or anything, so...
3: So I think as a, a as a back three, you can afford to have one sort of fairly average defensive passenger, and that is clearly George North. What you can't afford is two, which is what we have if we have Alex Cuthbert or A.N. Other in that other wing slot.
2: That's what baffled me when they said they were going to put North at 13. What well, they have done, but I mean, defensively, well, yeah. guys, good Lord. Anyway, sorry, I went back into whether yes, I was going to stop. Yes. One last piece of news, which we wanted to touch on, was, was that Bristol have finally parted a company hmm. with Andy or Robinson. should we talk
3: about Ireland before? As, as Irish people probably get annoyed. Oh, yeah, um, sorry. They, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Ireland Ireland. are better and bigger than Bristol. Yes, I'm very sorry. Yes,
3: Um, Ireland beat Canada. Uh, Big surprise. Um, (laughs) um, Somebody did say it was quite
2: surprising they could find 12 people who weren't so hungover that they couldn't play. So that's that's probably (laughs) a good sign.
3: But um, it was actually quite close until... It was 28-21 with 60 minutes gone and then they made it look much more respectable.
2: They didn't give a fuck though, did they?
3: Well, exactly. It was a
2: bit of a kick up the backside. It was, it, was it, was exactly a, it was a second easy. team, virtually. Keith like, awesome. was playing, you know what I mean? He's well, also, he's, he's well in the exit lo- lounge, that fella.
3: Yeah, if we're looking for red flags, though, um, of, oh God, maybe they're starting to get their shit together, did you see what France did to Samoa? Yes. And, I mean, I know it's only Samoa, but they played with invention but Samoa are frightened
2: enough people in their time.
3: Yeah. and, and back they-
2: looked... Twice, I say, scored twice, he hasn't can't, played can't, a game of 15 he's always kind Six of, Nations. He's always kind of scored, but he, he didn't look like looked, you know like, a circus act. Yes. He actually did look like he fitted into a team somehow. That's
3: the thing, isn't it? I wonder if all this time that he's spent not playing for a team, they've kind of been making him watch film or something or actually trying to teach him how <laughs> yeah, to be a 15s this is, player.
2: This is where you should stand. Maybe they've had Crispy Cormack over there. Not baby, interested baby. in I'm you not standing over there.
3: In the seventh bollock.
2: <laughs> but um, yes, so that's that. But speaking of France, before we do move on, you mm. did point out via your rugby shirt watch account. If you want to get in touch with the pod, by the way, which we've now told you a long time into the pod, you can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud on Twitter or Josh is on at Rugby Shirt Watch. Indeed. And you did spot there's a, a row broke out between. Um, is it yes. Montpellier and their, their yes, want to wear their last, their...
3: last week I talked about um, Nagusa, the uh, wing who turned up three months late for work which, uh, as we all know, was brilliant. Um, but then Montpellier uh, were releasing a 30th anniversary shirt this weekend um, and Nagusa, fresh <laughs> fresh back from from his extended oh, I fucking quality. love that. Um, basically, the shirt has got a name for a player for each of their first 30 years, like the, a, a, like a notable player on the, is, is on the shirt, and for some reason, Nagusa took issue with the fact that he wasn't one of those names because he'd played for the team for six years, he'd scored 150 odd appearances, he'd scored a boatload of tries. was top try scoring in the top 14 last season, yada, yada, yada. And he decided that he was going to have a little moan about this on Twitter. Which is always a great idea, isn't it? I mean, I think we can all agree that having a moan about something.
2: And the thing is, you know, he may have a point, but the fucking hard facedness of it.
3: But after... this is a man who was three months late for work. Let's not forget <laughs> that. But the best thing about this was that the whoever was in charge of Montpellier's Twitter account just decided to go in on him, full on, yeah, and responded with, um, um you didn't answer for three months when we wanted to ask your <laughs> opinion on the list of such names, which, I mean, yeah. And then followed that up with, um, and the, he was tweeting this in English as well, by the way, about him playing there for six, and then he was like, asked him, do you consider yourself to be more important than the other names on the jersey? <laughs> Please try to answer in French after six seasons here, which... I mean, Boom God, there's a really level. That is the most French... of. And then he deleted the tweets and came back 10 minutes later with, always a pleasure to wear the Montpellier oh, oh, jersey know. for the club and the fan. I Locker was settling in there. Hashtag sorry. Yeah,
2: I was settling in there. And then he basically shit out on it.
3: I know. I guess when you've been three months late for work, you've kind of got to use discretion as the best part of Valor, really, don't you? Yeah, but
2: brilliant stuff. Only in It was
3: brilliant stuff. But yeah, I think... That new the new agreement that the FFR and the club signed in the summer gives Guy Noves the same amount of time with all of the French players around international windows that everyone else has got for the first time. And if this is kind of how it's going to go, then that's a little bit worrying for everybody else, because France might get weird and good again.
2: And they might coincide yeah. that with getting the right medication for Guy and then we're all we're all you know we're all doomed, <laughs> well, aren't we? Really, one
3: step at a time. Yeah. And uh, also Italy got prison chained by the best team in the world with a point to proof. Uh, yeah, I don't think New Zealand
2: like... was struggling with having a 60% kicker on the field that day, were they?
3: No, it's just like you You talk to Conor and Shane, you're like, Connor got a brilliant first home fixture for you. <laughs> uh, we'll have an angry All Blacks team coming in to absolutely destroy you and get some well-worn frustrations out. How do you fancy that? Brilliant, good.
2: Yeah. Yes. So was it 68-10? Something
3: like that, yeah. They amazed they got 10, really.
2: Let's move on to Shit Good. Let's. Thank you very much for everybody who's contributed to Shit Good throughout the entirety of this pod, but this week as well. You can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud. Um, I'm going to start with Shit. This is one of mine, not one from Twitter, which is uh, Nicolas Sanchez mm-hmm. from Argentina. He's just... Well, people keep saying how good he is, right? And yeah. even before the game... One of the commentators, or during the game, one comment said, oh, he's the one who's improved the most since the inclusion in the Super, since super Rugby and stuff, and really? that's probably true, but well I could be argued to be true, but then again, he's basically like a stripy curate, curate egg, if you ask me, <laughs> because a little bit like he does that, lots he? of decent stuff, but ultimately always ruins it by doing something really stupid.
3: Well, he's, bas- he's basically like the whole Haguara's game plan, sort of distilled into one man, isn't he? He is, yeah. It's like he does brilliant and impressive things, and then usually fucks them up with some sort of needlessly over-the-top fannying about.
2: What have you but got on yeah. your shit list?
3: Uh, uh, my shit list. It brings me no pleasure to say this, but George North, um, Rob Howley's got apparently got some harebrained idea that. George North is uh, better on the right wing than he yeah, is. Yeah, when the, did the that left.
2: happen? Actually, yeah.
3: Basically, he said something that was—he made it sound like sense, but when you thought about it, it was mad. He basically said that North was wearing the number eleven shirt against Australia, but as soon as the game started, they swapped wings because I think
2: he was that thinking worked that, as well, didn't it?
3: Oh yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> but it, it was basically—I think—they were trying to. They assumed that they put their big, their most solid defensive winger on his side, so they hoped that by swapping them round when it kicked off, that somehow they'd catch them That's unawares. Genius. It's
2: is it? You know, if only there was some way of sound, seeing where he'd move to. You know, right. it's incredible. it makes
3: it sound like it's some sort of fucking really clever. To,
2: but when you, Jason Bourne shit that it is, it down, Jason Bourne. That's the North supremacy.
3: Yeah, for some reason he thinks that North is better on the right hand side, so he's played him there for the last two weeks. And given that he's been completely anonymous and shit in both games, I would suggest that he's probably wrong on yet Has, another. Hasn't he been assertion. playing
2: 14 at Northampton? Maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe,
3: yeah. Whatever you, whatever he did, whatever he's done to George North to make him not what he was like about three or four months ago, or indeed on the tour to New Zealand, where he looked like the best winger in the world again. Can we undo that? Because I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all.
2: Shit for me was uh, Eddie Jones not winning Coach of the Year last night at the World Rugby Awards. That was
3: bollocks, wasn't it? I mean, how many of
2: those has Steve Hansen got now? Yeah, and I suppose you could argue he deserves it more this year than any other, having been through a World Cup and... Um, obviously a transitioning team, but, you know, I mean, Maybe. literally, I mean, did anybody see England last October? Exactly. And where you they are now?
3: What, what Jones has done in the last year is, ab- well, not even a year, since January, is ridiculous. And yes. it vastly outstrips anything that Steve Hansen's achieved, let's be honest.
2: So I was happy with that. Uh, Alvaro got in touch on Twitter, bearded tit, and he said, shit is uh, money doesn't buy you style. As evidenced by <laughs> Sir Clive Woodward's colostomy bag cardigan on Sky, <laughs> where he looked like some kind of disgusting version of Rupert the Bear, if you ask me. Um, and Johnny, Johnny Wilkinson, David, did you see Johnny Wilkinson's suit at the weekend?
3: I was, I was ensconced. Of oh, in... course, you
2: were, you were, you were having a nuanced time in Cardiff uh, bars, weren't you? But so, but Johnny, Johnny Wilkinson's suit was the most ill-fitting thing I have ever seen in my life. And you see, one, that's inexcusable because, one, he's got a load of money, so can afford to do tailoring. And two, he's actually a really good shape for a suit. He's like perfectly triangle shaped. How did he get a
3: suit that was that bad? bad? No, it's like, remember when um, Alan Shearer came third in the Ballon d'Or voting and turned up to the ceremony in his third best suit, which is the worst... Fitting grey suit that you've ever seen with a jacket that's two sizes too but big and just slightly been hemmed.
2: Alan Shearer, he is that, he, he shops exclusively in the Wetherspoons divorcee collection, doesn't
3: he? <laughs> exactly. Well, it looks like he got his suit off the rack in Asda. He looked tailored by, and it, yeah, professional athletes, get your goddamn suits tailored. You can afford it. <laughs> it's, I mean, somebody, you probably won't even have to pay. I mean, you probably I mean, just go somewhere I have will say for
2: you. Haskell always has a well-cut suit. I'll give him he that. Does. He, he does. Because he does present himself well. I'll give him that. He, he knows he how to present himself. He understands
3: the value of, of it. Well, or his dad does. Well, plus, all his
2: dad does, yeah. Plus, he <laughs> can't get one off the peg, can he? Unless he no, goes to shitheads. That's, that's not
3: an uh, off-the-peg shape, is it?
2: No. Um, yeah. Phil Jones just, got in touch mm. for shit. Um, are you like this one. Well, I hate to say it, but St. Helens. Phil, I notice you always refer to the Liberty Stadium as St. Helens. And I can't
3: I know. know they were actually playing at oh, Saint. Oh, they were Helens actually at Saint
2: Helens this weekend. Yes, sorry.
3: Which, I mean, to be honest with you, looks as I, I haven't been in it since they closed it. Well, they stopped playing Ospreys games in there, but it basically looks like something from Eastern Europe in 1986. Now, <laughs> he basically
2: so... said it was a dump, <laughs> and also they had they had, they. Phil says they had a choir, and don't get me started on the choir. He said it wasn't the kids' choir. It was a fully adult choir.
3: Oh, that's even less fun.
2: And they were singing songs from the Lion King. <laughs> Including so, Hakuna Matata.
3: Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's...
2: What a wonderful phrase. What, can, were
3: they doing Can You Feel the Love Tonight? They did do that as well, were, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they do that at the exact moment of the first scrum? Because <laughs> that would be perfect.
2: Oh, dearie me. But oh, yes, so good. so yeah. That what was, is it with... So I thought he was being all kind and of I'm, I'm clinging on to the old name sort of thing. But no, it was actually out no, St. No, Helens. you were
3: actually at that shithole. Dearie um, me.
2: Yes. Other
3: shits from me. JP Peterson. Hmm. Touched the ball four times in 80 minutes. Um, and not all of that was down to him. I was going to say, is that his fault fair. though, really? Well, for, for a man with 70 odd caps, a World Cup winner no less... You'd expect him to maybe try and get involved, but instead he was just stood on the touchline with all the enthusiasm of a man watching his athletically hopeless stepchild on a sports day. I you get know, the it feeling was... he's
2: given up. He's on this kind of end of career, bigger and yeah, well, with Leicester, he he, and I'm not, not sure give he's a even shit. anymore.
3: He could not care less, and it was quite depressing to see, really. like I know he's gone to Leicester in its sort of career twilight period, although he is only 30, but... Yeah.
2: Tom Parkin got in touch on Twitter for good and said uh, and uh, sorry shit and said that obviously we mentioned this but Peter's death to toy's Rook defense was so shit it was actually almost impressive.
3: Was actually fair play. I mean to to be that stupid twice requires Have a you, weird level of commitment.
2: Anything else on your shit list? Uh yeah. Um
3: first up those 25,000 empty seats at the Millennium Stadium. Um not only did it make the atmosphere like a fucking wake on Saturday, um, I know it's hard to get enthusiastic when we're this bad, but why not give like 5,000 of those tickets to like the school kids or something? Like at least then it would have been full. Are they, are they worried
2: about precedent? That then people won't buy probably, tickets thinking they'll get this. Yeah, financial A bit like Tesco's and... with the food that's in the whoopsie. Yeah. They can only I lower it a certain amount because otherwise people will just wait and get it for 10p.
3: Yeah, it's it's... I do wonder if there is something of that, but it's like, it's such a deflating fan experience to play in a barely two-thirds I mean, it's still stadium. a
2: good size of crowd to make a lot of yeah. noise, isn't it? But they still It still makes a lot of noise,
3: but you could just feel that sort of emptiness from the top. There's definitely where a lot, lot of, of kind of pollution.
2: chatting and chundering going on in that. Blenheim Stadium at the minute, though, isn't it? It's like it just sounds like yeah. they're all having a bit of a natter to each other,
3: which is basically what everyone's doing. The, the product on the pitch is so shit that people are just basically chatting or being sick on themselves. Apparently, <laughs> 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 in fairness, that was before the game even started, though. So you know,
2: oh, I love that. She'd have been on the side since about ten o'clock this morning, oh, would yes.
3: she? Oh yes. Um, and my last shit is this tweet from Stuart Hogg after the game, and see if you can spot what really annoyed me about this okay Um, okay so here we go and I quote gutted with the result today huge effort from everyone incredible support and atmosphere at BT Murrayfield big week ahead at Scotland team
2: is it BT Murrayfield the man
3: has included the fucking sponsor name (laughs) of a 90 year old stadium in a tweet somebody's told them to do that he's not written it has he well, it's like he's been. Their social media training has drilled into them. Whenever you mention Murrayfield, be sure to remember that the official name of the stadium is now BT Murrayfield. I mean, for fuck's sake. It's a tweet. You've only got 140 characters.
2: Yeah, and they've got their own PR department to do all this. And what are they exactly. paying you?
3: God, it, just, it, it was one of those things where it was just like pulling back the commercial depressing realities of our modern game situation. And it's not his fault. He's just yeah. Don't hate exactly that,
2: yes. Here's a question for you, Josh. Who do you mm-hmm. consider to be the best number eight in the world at the moment? That is,
3: it's quite hard, actually. I mean, conventional wisdom is Kieran Reed, mm-hmm. but I would put a strong hand up for Toby or Billy V on their day. What if I was to put finished, out to so. you
2: Facundo yeah. Isa? Issa?
3: I tell you what, he's a fucking great player. I really like him.
2: Well, let me t- let me give you a little bit of a story about this here, right? Mm-hmm. He topped the metre count for the Pumas at the weekend. He made the most tackles for the Pumas at the weekend. Mm-hmm. He was the best forward in the Rugby Championship, uh, beating, the th- beating the third most defenders of anyone in the competition, running 361 metres off a staggering 85 carries in five games. He was fifth overall in those figures, just the, the the next forward was 10th, and that was Jerome Kano. And I'll he can offload what, at will as well.
3: He was a joy to watch in the Rugby Championship. I absolutely loved what he's... He's just like a ball of knives. It was brilliant. <laughs> and, yeah, he, I mean, he obviously wasn't going to be quite as dynamic on a sort of no claggy Northern Hemisphere-like pitch, but... Yeah, he's a fantastic but player. He's on, on
2: performance years, this year, he's right up there. I'm not saying he's absolutely the yeah. best, but it's not a, it's not nope. a silly a silly uh, assertion nope. to, assertion if, if to you, make.
3: If you're going to talk top five eights in the world for me, he's it's going right? to be yeah, he's probably fourth. And then I'd probably yeah, who would I chuck in at fifth?
1: Hmm.
2: He's looked up on. last weekend.
3: I'd throw Pickermalls in there, actually. I think Picamols is a fucking cracking player. Did he play
2: for France at the weekend?
3: He did, and he scored a try as well, I think. Or he he, he contributed to a... Uh... I
2: definitely think they've got Noves' medication right again, you know, because he's <laughs> picking him again.
3: Definitely... I also discovered he was wearing a black armband on um, on the weekend, actually, and I, I discovered this morning through uh, Twitter that the reason that that is is that his granddad. Passed away recently, and his granddad lived in Stratford upon Avon, and that was apparently the main reason that he signed for Northampton, was he wanted to be closer to his granddad. Is, is his... he off
2: now?
3: Uh, well, I don't know, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's just that people you... wondering, people wondered why he came to Northampton, and they assumed it was the money, but it seems like it was actually more just he, his granddad was eighty something years old, and he was getting close to the end, so he just wanted to be near him for his
2: last sort of. And I well, thought that's that was quite lovely, touching. Yeah. Speaking of lovely things, Mm. there's been much, much viral content of the New Zealand Maori with the Anthony Foley shirt.
3: I did think that was very nice, yeah. I did think he was
2: very nice. I do think we're getting a bit carried away with all this stuff now. It's almost like, you know, the sincerity of gestures wins games now not actual games it's very it's it's i mean it was yeah. lovely don't get me wrong but it Absolutely. just you get this wall-to-wall saturated coverage of it every time you think well i might retweet that they will know because nine million people have done it already <laughs> and forty-seven thousand media outlets have covered it but yeah. it was it's, it, is, it doesn't stop it being any less nice
3: but that's it true. does there is a in the same way that People who get inordinately upset about things that have nothing actually to do with them, like really famous people dying or something. Yes. Like, there's a point where you just have to, you've got to move through the overt mourning stage of grief into something a bit more reflective.
2: Yeah. Why do people cry when Steve Jobs died? I still don't understand that. (laughs) Will they? Will they cry when the when Jeff Bezos of Amazon dies? That'd or when the bloke who runs Tesco keels over. It's Very odd.
3: Depends if I can't get Amazon Prime anymore, then I might cry.
2: I but, signed um, up for Amazon Prime last month, and I have to say we're not being sponsored for this, by the way. I have to no, say it's. If they it want is, to, though, it is great. Yeah. It is truly great. Yeah. Speaking um, of great, the I got sent the thank you to Can- Canterbury for sending me the British Line shirt.
3: It's bloody nice, and though, I'm telling it? you, right,
2: I'm not that big a shirt fetishist. You're unlike, not, unlike yourself, right? But it is genuinely lovely
3: it's a, and it's got a some
2: nice... and it's got some lovely lovely detailing on it which is very hard to describe you actually I could I know I'd read what you'd said about it but until mm. you see it you no, can't actually don't... appreciate I, the the little things they put into it
3: knocking me about giving such a glowing review to what is a air quotes plain I, red shirt I, I think
2: you were accused of sucking Canterbury off weren't you I Get was you
3: know, well actually they were wondering whether the relate, which way the uh, arrangement went whether. but um <laughs>
2: The internet, ladies and gentlemen, the internet.
3: Gotta love him, Um, but yeah, no. It's when you get it up close and you see all the nice little details on it, and it's just, it's also one of the better fitting rugby shirts that I've found in the last couple of years. They've tweaked everything. It just, it's,
2: it's a lovely shirt. It really is really nice. I would commend people to get behind the shirt. For next year, Yes, I will say that. although
3: I'm still not entirely convinced by this whole uh, don't-touch-it-until-the-squad-is-announced thing, because, I mean, if you paid for it, just fucking wear I'll it. I'll do
2: whatever you want with it, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I can see what they're trying <laughs> to do with that, but it's bollocks, so just carry yes. on. Hmm. Right, good. Any more good from you? Uh, yes, uh, Ben
3: Youngs. I've, yeah. I, I get it out of the way. I, I genuinely think that, deep down, Ben Youngs is a bag of shit. <laughs> but, um <laughs> His career, his body of work to date has demonstrated that he is a very average scrum half who goes on a very occasional streaky run of form. However, you cannot deny that he is bang in one of those right now. Like, for the last 12 months, he has been really, really good when he puts an England shirt on. He's
2: passing off the floor consistently. That's how you can tell he's doing all right, because he's obviously not in three minds or two minds. He's not not crabbing anymore. He's not really crabbing. And when he does, he... the worst thing he did. He crabs and steps. So, as I said, Hmm. there's, there's some semblance of of direction about it whereas actually he is it was noticeable on Saturday how often the ball went straight from the floor to George Ford
3: and that's what you need like I mean absolutely we obviously he's had a bit of a an armchair ride from his forwards at the moment because they're doing a fantastic job I mean let's face it we saw Nick Phipps look like an international nine last week when he had a bit of a sedan chair ride for the Aussie let's but I mean, that's he the final insult. That's rhythm. the final
2: humiliation, isn't it? it was, you it made Nick the Phipps
3: look good. I know it, it's it's going to sting for a long time. But um, yeah, no, I mean, both news. of those tries he scored obviously was as we've spoken on several occasions already some comical fringe defence. But he had to spot that gap and he had to go through and he had to give the pass. Yes, you know, and he did it both times. And fair play to him.
2: Hugh Jones in good. Quite a few people on Twitter yeah. saying this as well. I was reading about Hugh Jones this week, right? And you know that even as recent as April of this year, he hadn't decided on playing for Scotland. Yeah. It's definitely an option, he said. I'm not ruling it out. But well, then that's when because the the...
3: He's not massively. Well, I don't want to say he's not massively Scottish because he's played for Scotland now, but he's not like. You know, yeah. he hasn't been raised on haggis in kilts and shit. His parents are yeah. from Edinburgh. He attended school in England and yeah. then went to South Africa.
2: He was actually considered too small to play centre for the England age grade sides. Really? Doesn't that tell you something? And ironically, That's... he had to go to South Africa, the traditional yes. home of the monstrous That's people, people smashers, to actually it? get a, a centre position next to Damian Allende, which is really quite, quite odd. But obviously, when the fo- call finally came from Big Vern, well, you he, say he, yes. He then. struggled to turn it down, didn't he? You know?
3: Yeah, I mean, but he's basically what you kind of want. In a modern 13, really, isn't he? Imagine He's that big, phone call
2: before the, Japan, before the Japan tour. Yeah. you would you like to play for Scotland? Would you like oh. to come and kill some rabbits? <laughs> <for me? laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm not really decided yet, but let me put this another way, mate. Would you like to come and <laughs> play for Scotland, or I'll kill your parents and make you eat their remains? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, then.
3: <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, sounds fun. Um, but yeah, Scotland's got crazy riches in midfield yeah, when you think what about What is it that now. all about? They've got like six international centres, whereas Wales haven't got one.
2: And they have none.
3: Yeah,
1: it's In 2012, really
2: their centre partnership in 2012 was Nick DeLuca and Graham Morrison. Fucking Nick hell. Nick DeLuca and Graham Morrison. <laughs> There's probably a stench coming out of your speakers now and surrounding your face <laughs> if you listen to this. Nick DeLuca and Graham Morrison. Remember Gra- I mean, Graham cloying. Morrison? He was about six foot two, and he was absolutely useless.
3: Yeah, and let's not forget, this is when they couldn't put, you know some big lump of a winger that they, whatever one they picked that week in the 13 shirt because they couldn't think of anything better to do.
2: Yeah, I remember that entire period when Sean Lamont played 12.
3: Exactly.
1: That's how I'm bad it was. About, that's yeah. that's
2: the kind of stink that was in the middle of the field for so long. Sean Lamont at 12. Yeah. But then Hugh Jones comes along. He's 22, scored two yeah. tries. And it wasn't really about the tries. He just looked like a really bloody good player, didn't he? He
3: really did. Like, it just it shows the value of a broad... Rugby education, I think. Do you know how they found him? Is they've got somebody that looks, don't they?
2: Well, some guy called Gavin Vaughan, I believe, is an analyst at Warriors, was looking at the University of Cape Town squad list and spotted the saltire flag next to him, his name, on Wikipedia. (laughs) That's (laughs) basically it. And then they got him to come over to Scottsdale while Gregor Townsend made kissy faces at him. Then he decided to stay in... (laughs) decided to stay in Cape Town and, and and here we are now.
3: That's amazing.
2: How yeah, there was, there it's, was it's quite really a
3: interesting how these things can just happen with just such random chance yeah. almost. You so know? he's he's
2: a Scotsman with a with, with a Welsh name than leaky McLeakface. face. And yeah, uh,
3: I did wonder if he might have been in some way Welsh. I think one of his, his grandparents like so.
2: I think that's why he was hanging around to see you offered. To be honest,
3: yeah, he's obviously got a fair bit of eligibility there. But
2: when he said when the fan call finally did came, he said it wasn't too difficult a decision. It's quite hard to say no to international rugby, and I couldn't just wait around hoping for a call from someone else. And, and then, then he then, he, then <laughs> full stop, and then he said, and obviously I am Scottish. It's the way he went. I better add that at the end, you know. Oh, oh, and obviously I am oh, Scottish. Shit, like shit, like yeah. shit, I've been caught. In yeah, like I can't God, just hang around ever for, for somebody else. Oh, oh, I am Scottish though. Yeah, oh, sorry. Make sure you get that bit in. <laughs> But, you know, he is Scottish, and uh, fair play. And he I did, mean, look, and yeah, he did look absolutely...
3: look absolutely entitled to, so... Yeah, yeah, and he
2: did look absolutely gutted at the end of the game. So nobody yes, can argue with that. Yes, of
3: him. course. You, couldn't, you could never question his commitment, I don't think. Um, last good for me, uh, Chris Robshaw.
2: Yes. Only really yeah. because
3: we're a year on from the World Cup debacle and Lancaster getting sacked and him getting pilloried as being the mm. shittest England captain ever and all that. Mm. And once again as he has done pretty much constantly and quietly for the last 10 months, 11 months, is just be very, very good in an England Six jersey. And just get through. He just cleared up so much mess for England in that first half.
2: Yeah, and he's he's indefatigable. He works so hard and and not just... And he's clever with his work as well. And the other thing is, it's a classic example of why it's good to get a completely new coach from from somewhere completely different to come in because he didn't give a shit what the media had been saying. Yeah, he came in with no, no baggage, and I think if an English coach had come in, they might have done. That's the truth yeah. of it. I think they would have done. Whereas he they came would have
3: in, kept on Wood, and they would have got
2: rid of him. I think so, and obviously getting rid of the captaincy was the best thing that ever happened to him.
3: Yeah, and some players are just they play better without the weight of that, and it's not the weight of the shit on the field because. Basically, being captain on the field doesn't really mean a lot. No. You just decide when to go for the post. and you couldn't even always decide when to go. For the <laughs> you couldn't even do right? that properly, yeah. But
2: it's kind of- no, but it, you know, it's all a PR much, and
3: stuff, isn't it? It's and it, and knowing it's- that you have to, be, you're going to be the person that talks about it at the end of the game, and it's being
2: the. I think he strikes me as the kind of guy, and I don't. He wouldn't be that comfortable being the public face of England rugby because that's what you are you're on the billboards aren't you you're everything exactly. you're everywhere looked I'm not at sure what that's the, you know, when
3: he did those bloody beats by Dre adverts before the world cup he looked like the most
2: uncomfortable man on planet earth he doesn't listen to beats does he he doesn't, have, he doesn't listen to that kind of music you can just no. tell by looking at him he's a Mumford & Sons fan <laughs> you can just tell by looking at him
3: oh definitely he loves a bit of uh, Irish potato famine call
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what Mumford & Sons are tell um, me I'm wrong um, it's, they, they fall under like Coldplay, the music for people who don't like music. It, category. That is emphatic. Queen were like that as well. Queen were music for people who don't like music. I actually <laughs> quite like Queen, but people who didn't like music liked Queen.
3: Yes, and Coldplay and U2 a little bit as well, and also REM.
2: Yeah, but we digress, and we're an we hour and fifteen minutes in, and we're still and we're, we're digressing. Yeah, very quickly, some goods from Twitter. Dave Garrett got in touch and said, good, scrum five for the look on Jerry Guskett's face every time Alfie regurgitated relentless positivity about Wales' performance. <laughs> <laughs> but he did that last week after that performance. So he must have been up to 11. Like, look, week.
3: they've got him there to do a job and that job is relentless positivity.
2: I didn't mention this in the, Scottish, in the Scotland review, but um, mm. Alistair McKinnon and David Logie on Twitter got in touch and said, the Grey Brothers. Well, have you seen this yes, God, 47 tackles, Yes. 47 tackles, not one missed.
3: That is ridiculous.
2: That's some work. that. Uh, Tom Dare <laughs> got in touch and said, good was Ross Moriarty, again.
3: Yeah, again. And then he, he said, very sort of.
2: I'd like to say something witty about him, but frankly, I'm too scared he might take it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that kind is... of man you're dealing with.
3: Exactly. And I think it was notable how much better Will's rest of the pack played this week. That he didn't stand out nearly as much as he did last still week, while still being very good.
2: And, and, and as a corollary to that, IGT Ian got in touch and said, "Can I suggest the Ross Moriarty Shield for an end-of-season trophy for week in, week out for club and country? Fuck it, I'll do it myself." <laughs> so anybody who's got high levels of that Ross brilliance Moriarty in the Shield.
3: face of otherwise shitness, yes, there's definitely a a category there. I think,
2: Josh, we have reached the end of another episode.
3: We've, once again, we have started the pod thinking, how are we going to talk for an hour and
2: change? You, you, you might not believe it, ladies gentlemen, but every single week we do say to ourselves, have we got enough in the run to fill up an hour? <laughs> we genu- we're like Scotland fans, you know, where yeah. we think we might win. We think we might come in under an hour. And yeah. every single week we fail miserably. The only yeah. time we have come in under an hour was last week. And then I forgot they had to add Dave Debrick's interview in, which then took it to an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: look, some things are just meant to be...
2: Some things are just meant to be like Zebra Shitwatch, which will be coming back exactly. to next week, I believe. Is Pro 12 back next week? was it still ah, the uh, it's,
3: it's not Zebra Shitwatch, though, is it?
2: No, but it will be when they play their next game, won't it? Yes, which is Ulster. Yeah. It's currently Ulster Shitwatch. It is currently Ulster, Ulster Shitwatch, which we haven't covered this week because they didn't play. No. Okay, so I'll see you next so, week, yeah. Jocks.
3: Let's, uh, let's, I'm I'll, I'll just look forward to... Uh, Deconstructing Wales is dispiriting loss to Japan next week.
2: <laughs> See you, everyone. Bye.
3: Take care, Bye.
0: The question of the ideal gift this Christmas No, 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 I've enough books. Mm, fancy mugs, not my cup of tea at all. Or even the fussiest. Do not get me pajamas. Can always be answered with a SuperValue gift card. Perfect for their favourite festive pour or something luxurious from signature tastes. I love it. Pick up a SuperValue gift card in store. And for corporate customers, SuperValue gift cards can now be emailed directly to your employees or anyone working remotely. Simply visit supervalue.ie forward slash gift cards.